We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. The Chicago Bulls select Kobe White. Levine with the runway. Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast around the Blue Iron Network. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. I'm here as always with Jason Pat, and we have a special guest joining us today. It's Mason Ginsberg, who uh, covers the Pelicans, hosts another Pelicans Blue Iron pod. Mason's going to talk to us all about the Lonzo Ball trade rumors, what's going on with New Orleans, and what it felt like to see Zach Levine and Kobe White combine for about 17 threes against this team <laughs> or whatever it was. So uh, before we get to that, though, Jason, let's uh, let's talk about the last few Bulls games. Bulls came off a really exciting victory last night at Indiana. Uh, Zach Levine playing not a great game for the majority of the night, but hits a ridiculously tough three-pointer uh, against Sabonis to give the Bulls a lead. Uh, game ends up going into overtime. Bulls win that game in OT 120-112. to It was the return of Wendell Carter Jr. I think uh, I've never appreciated yes. Wendell more I've all, than when he was out right now. I've always been a fan of his game, but man, uh, just having him in the lineup is such a nice steadying presence. I thought he looked a little bit out of shape, but... Uh, that's going to be a big addition to the Bulls. I think on both ends of the floor. So great to have Wendell back. And yeah, Bulls able to grind out a win against a pretty good Pacers team that kind of played like garbage, to be honest. But, uh, you know, yeah. coming off the Clippers loss on Friday night, that was 125-106 to the Clippers, a home game. Uh, it was good to see them sort of right the ship and uh, kind of prevent this season from going too far off the rails early in the year. Yeah, the Bulls, I mean, just kind of keep just kind of meandering around where they are. They're, they're 11, 15, 11 and 15. They're like right outside the playoff picture. They're right in that play-ins zone with all the, with this garbage Eastern conference. I mean, the Pacers are, Pacers are now 14 and 14. They're the, I think four or five seed. The, the East is such a joke, but yeah, Bulls lost to the Clippers. I mean, pretty handily. The Clippers didn't have Paul George. Kawhi just dominated the game. And in the second half, the Clippers kind of pulled away. The Bulls were competitive for most of the game. And then just kind of, again, got to, Second half, the Clippers just kind of did whatever they want and just controlled the game. So coming into this game on Monday, the Bulls, uh, they haven't won it. They had not won in Indiana in like 10 tries. I think back dating back to like 2016. 
Pacers have been struggling a bit. They were miss- they're missing some key guys. Karis Levert's obviously not playing because he's got the, the kidney thing that he had surgery on after that trade, and T.J. Warren's still out, and they, uh, they were missing Doug McDermott, and they actually did kind of miss Doug McDermott a lot yesterday because the Pacers only shot 9 of 33 from on three-pointers, and they were blowing a bunch of layups. The Pacers did not play a good game. I wouldn't say the Bulls really did either. Like The first half was just absolutely atrocious, just – Again, Pacers blowing layups. They couldn't make any threes. There were a ton of turnovers. Luke Cornett was chucking threes and coming out even close. I don't even know why Luke Cornett is still on this Bulls roster. It's absolutely unbelievable. He was with Carter Beck. Cornett was in the rotation ahead of Daniel Gafford. Very interesting. I'm assuming it was just probably to try to drag Miles Turner away from the basket to try to stretch the floor. It did not work. Luke Cornett could not make a damn three, and he was getting bodied inside as well. But uh, despite that, the Bulls were holding strong. Uh, even despite them shooting poorly, turning the ball over, they were holding strong because the Pacers weren't any good either. They took a few co- pretty comfortable leads in the third quarter and the fourth quarter. They, I think they went up by 11 a few times. And the Pacers stormed back, and it felt like fourth quarter, another close game against a decent opponent. The Bulls are just going to lose this game. But after struggling, being frustrated, Zach was very frustrated with the officials last night. and He, he ended up getting a late tee. I couldn't blame him, though. He got hit on a drive, and he finished, and no call, and he got teed up. I couldn't blame him for that. But Zach had 12 of his 30 in the fourth, hit some big shots. You mentioned the three over Sabonis, just a cold-blooded shot. I mean, that's what, that was one of those where it's like, no, 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 don't take that. You could do better, uh, get a better shot against Sabonis, but drills it in his eye. Uh, they go to overtime, and the Vets kind of took over an OT. They got some second-chance points. That was a big theme of the game, uh, which is interesting. The Bulls, they had 60 boards. They had 25 second-chance points against uh, front line with Sabonis and Miles Turner. So Thad Young was huge again. Garrett Temple was huge. Uh, Denzel hit some big shots. Sadoransky hit some big shots. And Kobe White actually played decent after a really bad start where TJ McConnell like just owned him a couple times in the first couple possessions. Kobe bounced back pretty nicely and had a, almost had a triple-double. So just a pretty nice team win over, again, a decent team. The Pacers are struggling. But, again, the Bulls, just they aren't going on big losing streaks. So they've, they've lost some ugly games here recently. But they've kind of bounced back, and they've just kind of kept the ship afloat, even with these injuries. You mentioned Wendell Carter. He did have some issues with foul trouble and with turnovers. So he definitely was a bit rusty, but he, uh, I think he did pretty well against Sabonis. Uh, again, Sabonis did miss just a ton of chippies, but I mean, he was physical with him, and he talked about that after the game. Like, uh, Just made sure to like go at Sabonis, be, hit him hard, kind of throw him off his game, and that worked. Uh, he was aggressive with his offense with a few shots going to the basket. He had a 11 points, 9 rebounds, and 4 of 7 shooting. So, very welcome to have Carter back. Gafford has been terrible as a starter. Again, Gafford went to out of the rotation. Uh, I don't know if that's going to be a permanent thing because, again, Cornette's terrible, Felicio's terrible. But overall, a decent a decent win for the Bulls to keep them kind of just, again, kind of just floating around here in this right in the play the play-in area. And, yeah, coming up on the schedule Wednesday, game against the Pistons now. So that was added today. Uh, Friday, they're at Philadelphia. That's their only national TV game uh, so far this season. (laughs) That's an ESPN game. And then Saturday, they got Sacramento. So let's bring Mason on. Mason, what's going on, man? Thank you for uh, joining us to talk a little bit about the Pelicans. And just, you know, initial reaction, what was it like to see all those three-pointers go in by Zach Levine and Kobe White against your squad the other day? It's uh, you come to expect it at this point in the season for the Pelicans (laughs) Um, to see that many from those uh, such few players that that's unique. Usually you see like four or five guys you'd never expect make a bunch of threes against you or like three or four threes enough where you're like, come on, like this guy really. 
Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, like this is a whole, it's a whole other can of worms, uh, regarding the Pelicans philosophy on defense. And, you know, I, I, coming into the season, you know, the Stanley Gunning has been harping on protecting the paint and not to say that they're going to give up a bunch of threes, but they're they're That's who their focus was. And I think as the season's gone on, you see all these record setting three point percentages that are coming out of the, of whatever you want to call it. I mean, I think the fact that the, the, the theory of having limited or no fans of stands has some decent merit. Um, but there's probably a, a uh, confluence of factors here, including randomness that that are driving it, but it hasn't worked out well for the Pelicans defense, and they're, you know, they're one of the worst defensive teams in the league now. So, um, you know that long-winded way of saying the the Kobe White Zach Levine um, three-point barrage was uh, unwelcome, but not unexpected. <laughs> and they gave up twenty-five the next game too, right against Dallas. It's been, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been a real great defensive run for this team. Oh yeah, and then I think it was one. They gave up 123 points to the Pistons, which is rough. The Bulls are playing tomorrow again. The Bulls are playing the Pistons instead of the Hornets. We have to postpone, but yeah, that's that's rough. So and it, it's kind of it's weird like, watching that game against the Pelicans. Obviously, the Bulls were just on fire. They hit like their first eight. Zach was was just on fire, but I also did notice like the the Pelicans defense was awful. Like I mean, Kobe White, you don't want to let him spot up. For three, like he really can't shoot three on pull ups very well, but if he spots up, he's gonna hit a decent amount on you. And just over and over again, Kobe White and Zach Levine are getting just wide open from three. And it's like, what is like, what's happening out here? Because, like, you look at the Pelicans roster and it is kind of a weird roster. Well, like, they theoretically have some like decent players, like Lonzo, I think, has a defensive rep, like Eric Bledsoe, who I mean, from what I've seen, he's kind of checked out, but like, it seems like they should be okay defensively. So just why are they so bad defensively? Because I, I was, it struck me just even with the Bulls just shooting well and making all those shots, the quality of shots the Bulls got was just incredible. It was just very high. So like it, while maybe they made a few more than you would think, just like the Pelicans deserve to get all those threes made against them. So like what is the deal with that defense? Yeah, and, and so the, the 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 strategy is part of it, but also it's just having having guys who are who give the effort and are who who just want to play defense and so you're you're i, I feel like the 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 comment around bledsoe is, is warranted I, I i it seems like every game since the beginning of the season his effort has dropped off a little bit each one and i mean it, it, the defensive end is where we've seen a kind of i think pelicans fans so so moving from drew holiday to eric bledsoe yeah. the players in theory are similar but drew's is better at a lot of things and bledsoe but but i mean not but not like drastically better at any one thing and so we're saying okay we're, we're, we're downgrading to a worse version of drew holiday if we can get like 80 percent of drew out of blood so fine that's that's not what's happened in reality and, and so he's been no one no one for the life of them can understand how he made all defensive teams with the way he's playing defense right now for new orleans and even offensively you know he was earlier in the season he was attacking the rim pretty consistently and giving the pelicans a secondary creator besides ingram um, because those lineups that only had blood, so or only had Ingram in them. This is pre the the, the Z- point Zion Renaissance yeah. happening recently was just was just painful to watch. And so you've seen the kind of the script kind of flip. They're they're top ten in offense now, but the defense. I mean, like like it's it's part effort, it's part um, strategy, uh, and them trying to change their strategy mid flight with a bunch of young players who don't like who aren't the best um, you know team defenders right now so if you're trying to so Stan set them up in the short offseason for you know to do one thing and now they're trying to you know kind of switch things around and do something else and then but it's, it just comes down to IQ sometimes I mean you've got to know when to go over versus under screens against certain players and you've got to not um, you know you've got to know when to when to help versus when to stick your man in in, in the corner and so uh, there's just a lot of little things that have bubbled up, and it's um, you know it's I, I, and Josh Hart even called out the team today in a, in a tweet. He basically, you know, 
he said the players don't want to do the dirty work. They don't want to crack back and get rebounds and play defense. So Jim, Jim Eichenhofer relayed this quote. It's already been retweeted like over a hundred times. And everyone's like, thank you, Josh, for saying something. So um, there's a lot of things going wrong with this team on the defensive end. So it's hard to pinpoint one specific area. Yeah, there was a sequence in that Bulls game where I think the Pelicans were possibly like on the verge of making a run. I think it was in the fourth. Thad Young blows a layup, but then the Bulls somehow get the rebound, swing it around, wide open three, and Stan was absolutely livid. You saw him like jumping around on the sidelines. He was so mad. And that was definitely just like an effort thing. Like you make a simple effort, box out, grab an easy rebound, maybe maybe that game gets close at the end. But you blow the effort, you give up an open three, game over, and Stan is just absolutely livid. That was that definitely stood out in general. So I guess just let's go to the Lonzo thing then. We'll talk about the rumors in a bit, but just like him as a player and just got kind of part of the defense because the one of the Bulls' big issues is their their perimeter defense is bad. Um, like with Zach and Kobe, it's a very poor defensive backcourt. We talk about poor defense. Like those two have a very bad def- uh, defensive rating when they're on the court together. And I think a lot of people like see Lonzo as possibly like an ideal fit next to Zach as a guy who's shooting a bit better, as a guy who, a guy who can play a bit better defense on the perimeter. So like what is, what is Lonzo's role in this defense really struggling? Do you think he has a lot like – I guess, what in general do you think about his defense overall? How has he played this year? Uh, how do you think he would fit next to a guy like Zach Levine? And then again, we'll talk about the rumors here in a second. Yeah, so I think Alonzo does help defensively. Alonzo, uh, you know, up until a few days, games ago, and it's not that he's fallen off specifically, but it's more just like the team's been a dumpster fire. So it's hard yeah. to like it's hard to praise praise any one player when they're playing like this. Um, but I feel like he's, he was having a pretty pretty good defensive year. I think. Um, he's had hit or miss games in individual defensive matchups. Um, like he, he took on some of the responsibilities with guarding Morant in the Grizzlies game that, that usually kind of fell a lot on Drew and he did well. And there's been other individual games where he's, he's, he's played well and others where he's gotten a little roasted. Um, he, he, I think he's great at help defend and help defense. He's, he's got, um, athleticism and he's got length. Um, he can, he gets deflections. And so there's a lot of things, little things he does well defensively. And so overall, yeah, he's definitely a positive defensive player. And so I think, I think that, I think those are good, valid, um, you know, points that he, he could, he could help out this Bulls team on that end. All right. Let's talk about this offers that, sorry, Ricky, go ahead. No, I was just going to spin the conversation to his offense because mm-hmm. what I've noticed about him, I don't have his stat page up in terms of the updated numbers, but his three-point rate is just through the roof this year. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, he still has a lot of the same problems he had coming out of UCLA, which is that he's not like a engine sort of guard, right? He's kind of a connective tissue type where he's a ball mover. Uh, you know, his shooting ability has gotten so or his lack of shooting ability i feel like he's gotten so much coverage so much publicity uh since lonzo ball entered the nba but at this point like he sort of needs to rely on his three-point shot to get a lot of his offense so i'm just curious what you think Mm -hmm. about lonzo's offense and sort of how you've seen that develop uh, over the last couple seasons like, th- that's exactly right, and that's the million-dollar question when it comes to an extension for Lonzo. It, it, I haven't really seen a, much growth offensively in his game. It's basically, is he making threes, yes or no, that, then he's adding value. I think you're sh- – so Schmidt wrote a great article about the exact point you made around connectivity and that he's not really a creator in half court, but he's a connector, and he can get the pa- right passes to the right guys in a lot of cases. But you know, how much value does that provide? Um, and, and I think to the Pelicans, especially the way they're playing right now, is – is not a ton, um, especially when you consider they're playing a lot more half court offense than they were last season with Gentry's you know, run and gun style. They're they're putting yeah. more focus on the on the boards, um, you know, this this season, and so there's not as much transition opportunity. 
but but yeah, I mean, I feel like his his off as his three point shooting goes, so goes his offense, and so that's the one thing to stress. I mean, for those who don't watch a ton of uh, of Lonzo Ball and just see you know point guard next to his uh, you know name. He's really not. I mean, he, he's a tra- he's a fantastic transition point guard. There are a few in the league who can do it better than him, push the pace and get the ball to the right guy and make that perfect pass. But in the half court, I mean, he doesn't drive that often. He's afraid of drawing contact because he's not that great of a free throw shooter. Um, he'll do this thing uh, where he comes off of a pick and roll, takes one dribble into the paint, and then dumps it off too early, which works for a guy like Zion. Doesn't work too well with other types of bigs that aren't as athletic and dynamic as Zion is. Um, and so it's just, it, it's complicated to call him a point guard, but I think he absolutely can succeed in an offense that's, that's structured the right way. And maybe Levine is the right guy to play alongside. Um, as long as, you know, it, is Levine the guy who can really create for others and, and besides getting his own buckets. And if it's not Levine, it's probably not Lonzo either. You've you got to, you got to find someone who can do that. And, and, and so that's, that's the, I think that may be one of the tricks with the Bulls. Yeah, that is definitely like that. That's what we've been talking about. Like the Bulls need that engine. Like Levine has been obviously his numbers have been absurd this season. He's twenty eight points per game with ridiculous efficiency. Uh, he's still just not quite at that level playmaker. He has gotten he has gotten better. He has improved with his passing, and his vision. Still has issues with turnovers and probably just isn't at that quite like one A level. So like obviously like yeah, you, you don't you would not expect Lonzo to come in and, like fix those issues from what you've said and from what we've seen. I, w- I was shocked when Lonzo, I think he got like five free throws in that first half against the Bulls. Yeah, he actually yeah. did drive to the basket a few times and like mm-hmm. made his free throws. I was like, where did this come from? Is it like, is this like the the, the audition here for uh, the Bulls front <laughs> office? And then he and then he did nothing in the second half. But, but that's, yeah, that's, it was like a shock the, to see him do that. That's yeah. the Lonzo experience right there because he, he gives you these flashes and, and you feel like he's tr- he may be putting it together, and then you you have another three or four games where you forget he's on the team on offense, and so it that's it's that's the frustrating part. And if you're really going to invest a ton of money in in him, you've got to see consistency. I think above all else, I mean, even the three point percentage suddenly looks good. Five or six games ago, it looked terrible. I mean, so <laughs> yeah. it's just it, it oscillates. Even last season, he he started off the year rough, and there was there were some injury concerns for him coming into last season. He didn't get much of a training camp, and so he came in and looked rough. Then the month or two before the bubble. He looked great, and then in the bubble, he looked bad again. And so it's just it's it's hard to to, to buy into yeah. it when with the inconsistency we see. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about these rumors that have been out there. Obviously, the 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 Lonzo Reddick rumors kind of came out. Well, that was that was probably almost a month ago at this point. Either like a few weeks ago, uh, Shams uh, reported about how Pelicans are looking to move Lonzo and uh, JJ Reddick are on the market, and then we've kind of had some few other rumors comes come out. Uh, I think it was Matt Moore at the Action Network specifically talked about the Bulls being like his preferred destination. Uh, that's that, that's where he and Clutch want him to go, like a bigger market. And the, clearly that hit the Bulls within the in the market for a, a guard upgrade, it does kind of make sense. And then Shams again uh, this week says that the, the Bulls do have interest, but there really haven't been any talk. So it wasn't even really like a new report, but it was just kind of confirming some of this other stuff out there. And I know it's something that you've talked about for a while. We've talked about it for a while, uh, talking about po- – Possible Bulls, Pelicans, Lonzo Ball swap. I know the Lowry marketing thing has been out there. Lowry is hurt right now. Uh, I think when Matt Moore did his story, I mean, he was tossing out names with like like Otto Porter, whether Thad Young would be out there. The Bulls also have other veterans like Sato and Denzel Valentine. So I guess just looking at a possible uh, Bulls, Pelicans, Lonzo Ball swap, what would what would you prefer, or what would you want from the Bulls? I guess just in general. Yeah, so um, it's a good question. And the first thing I would say is that this team. 
wants to invest in their young guards. And so I, I think specifically Nikhil and, and Kyra, I mean, I, so not to say that either one of those guys are definitely a future, you know, big time player. I think you can argue the same thing about Nikhil as you can about Lonzo and his inconsistency, but he's younger and still trying to kind of figure out his place in the league. Kyra has been really, he's, he's been great in the minutes he's played for the Pelicans this year, which increases every game. It seems like now, and who knows, I mean, Stan McGunny, you know, uh, commented that there's going to be some changes or, or things need to change. And so maybe, maybe we see Kyra in the starting lap tonight. I have no idea, but um, that's kind of the first point where I don't think they want a veteran guard to kind of to su- supplant Lonzo's minutes. They want to give more minutes to the younger players. So I think they'd look to wing or, or front court uh, as, as to positional needs. Um, and so, you know, he, he, that, that said, I don't know, you know, they, they probably aren't looking for a veteran who, is just an expiring. I think they want someone who, you know, they at least can consider reinvesting into. Um, so like Otto Porter, I think is in very, it's an interesting name. I don't really know what his market's going to be next season. Um, his injury but, problems. Yeah. Was, yeah. And so, yeah. Uh, I mean, so it's, it's tough to figure out exactly what in terms of players that, that the Pelicans might be interested in from the Bulls. Other, I mean, Markkinen is a name that I think makes sense for a lot, for a lot of reasons. Um, be, and swapping those two guys because neither team feels comfortable investing yep. in them long term is just kind of a hilarious subplot to this. But uh, and and that's that's generated the 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 thoughts from even before the season. Oh, Markin and Falonzo. Now th- the the other team can have this problem now. Um, and so I think that's interesting. Um, are, are there other types of uh, packages that you looked at and thought, oh, maybe this makes sense? Ricky, you want to take this one? I feel like we've talked about the Lowry thing for a while. Ricky, do you have any other thoughts on like what else you would want here in a trade like this? Yeah, I don't know. It's like the Lowry for Lonzo one just seems like it's right there. Yeah. Right? Like they're both like Mason said, like both disappointing, both coming out of the same draft class. Both of them have sort of been supplanted at their positions by younger players, like you said, with Kyra, who looked phenomenal against the Bulls. I think Kyra already looks better than I thought he would look. Coming into the league, and I was relatively high on him, but man, he is so fast with the ball in his hands. He looks bigger to me, too. I don't know if that's just my my eyes playing tricks on me, but uh, I was really impressed with him uh, from what I've seen of him lately. He definitely looked great against the Bulls. Uh, and then, you know, with the Bulls, they have Pat Will, who's sort of this uh, new age four, uh, potentially going to take, you know, the spot that has been circled for Lowry the last couple of years. So, yeah, I do think that makes sense. And then, you know, you look at New Orleans roster and like even if the Bulls and the Pelicans weren't going to do that swap, the Pelicans to me seem like a team that might be interested in taking a flyer on Lowry anyway in restricted free agency because Pelicans are so low in terms of their three-point rate league-wide uh, they have no shooting in the front court. I mean, when you're starting Stephen Adams and Zion, like you don't have any stretch bigs. To me, it's just obvious that you want to surround Zion with shooters, and especially now that he seems more comfortable with the ball in his hands. Finally, the point Zion idea has come uh, yep. to fruition a little <laughs> bit. Like you just need guys spacing off of him, right? The easiest way to get shooting is in the front court. Uh, for this Pelicans team, so to me, that would make a lot of sense. Like I don't know what. When you think about roster construction for this so, Pelicans team moving forward, uh, you know what? Like, what what do you see is the future of the front court? I know that Adams just got the big extension. Uh, you know, Hayes has been bad, right? Yeah, yeah. Jax has not been. Um, <laughs> and, you know, he's a young he's a young dude, but he hasn't been. I mean, he's got relegated to just, just no minutes now. Um, Yikes! I mean, not not as bad as 
Melly was a disaster <laughs> before that. And now, like, if anyone wants him as a quote-unquote stretch for a stretch big, go, you can have him for peanuts because that just opens up more room for the Pelicans under the tax line to do other stuff. And so he, I'm sure they would just give him away at this point. But I, So before I answer that, I have a, I have a question for, for y'all because I've been yeah. on um, about marketing because the, something I've been reiterating as uh, to, to fans um, who have commented about the Zion Adams front court, which I think is working out well, um, it's just the other, to me, it's the other positions on the roster that aren't delivering from this, from a shooting perspective, because really when you, when it really comes down to it, you have a very, very select number of fives in the NBA who can legitimately space the floor. Yeah. Um, because you, th- there's you, just because you shoot 35, 36% from three in your center doesn't mean teams give a shit about you if you're going to spot up from three. Um, so, uh, in the corners maybe, but like just otherwise not right. really. And so question about Markin is what, what do you see him as? What, what do opponents see him as? Are, if they see him spotting up, is it enough for them to go out and, and, and guard him? Or are they going to still favor, you know, we want to make sure we're not giving up easy buckets. And so like if, if Zion and Markin are on the floor together, are, are they going to say, ah, oh, shit, <laughs> Laurie's spotting up. Uh, you know, what's the level of spacing that you feel like he truly provides uh, beyond his just his three point percentage? So I guess it does. Yeah, I, I was going to say, I guess it does kind of depend on if he does keep this shooting up, because like right. before this season, he is, was very disappointing, like 35 percent career three pointers. Like the volume's always been there, but like just has missed a lot of open looks this season. He's up over 40. Uh, he's been playing off Thad Young really nice. So like if you're looking at like that kind of combo with like Zion in the middle of the court and like finding Lowry to shoot open threes. Uh, that is pretty nice because like that, that's happened with Thad Young this year with the Bulls and like Lowry's been shooting incredible off Thad Young passes, so like that is kind of nice. So I, I still do kind of think teams treat him as a guy that you like need to cover out there, especially when with the way he has been shooting this year. Obviously, you do worry uh, about that kind of front court uh, defensively. Uh, Lowry, ha- like just in general, Lowry, ha- Lowry has just been much more effective as a five offensively. The defense is going to be a question mark probably either way because he just doesn't really play defense one. He doesn't do that. He's not that great of a rebounder, but like, I mean, theoretically a Lowry Zion front court could be really a lot of fun offensively. Yeah. I wonder more about that defensively. Like, honestly, like offensively, I I think that, uh, you know, teams have always respected Markinen's jump shots, even though he isn't really that good of a shooter. He's sort of been an average shooter before this season throughout his career over a, you know, pretty significant number of attempts. Uh, but, you know, when he entered the league, he was a guy who was like, all right, this is a seven footer who's going to be a very good three point shooter. And he's kind of carried that with him, even though like last year he only hit, I think, 34 percent. So I do think that he can space. And I think that like this isn't a case of like a big man who develops a three point shot and can hit a somewhat respectable percentage on low volume. Lowry should be able to get up shots and shoot shots. The problem with Lowry is that he needs everything spoon fed. He can't really create a look for himself whatsoever. Uh, And that's been an issue on the bulls because they haven't had a natural facilitator. So whether that's Zion hitting him up with shots Mm -hmm. or whether that's, you know, Kyra, whoever uh, would sort of bubble up and take hold of that position in new Orleans. uh, I think just having someone who consistently, not make great passes to him, but just make the easy pass a lot of times. I think he can provide uh, value there. But, you know, then defensively, it's like, this is what we've been talking about for four years. Like, can you get away with Lowry at the five? I thought Zion was going to be a monster defensively when he entered the league. He started off being an abomination, absolutely horrible. Lately, I feel like he's made some strides. Maybe you can talk about that, what you've seen from Zion on defense lately. But 
still, it, it would be an issue, I think. Like, Zion is not uh, – he just doesn't seem like he's wired to be the guy we saw at Duke where he was flying all over the court on the defensive end and making yeah. a lot of plays. I don't know if his body is able to hold up to that kind of pounding or if he's just sort of needed to – you know, make a business decision in a lot of senses to sort of uh, conserve his energy, conserve the impact on his body. But uh, I would worry about the defense with that pairing. Yeah. I, and so when it comes to his market next next offseason, I, I, I feel like, I, and I, I, maybe it's a bad comparison, but I, I, I think about him a lot in the same lens as Ryan Anderson for the New Orleans teams with Anthony Davis. And that Ryan Anderson wasn't a starter he, but he played the five next to AD in certain situations. He was the really the third big and a really a, a luxury to have as a third big. But um, I, I mean, that feels to me like Markinen's future in the league is, is um, it, unless you've got a strong defensive five next to him, you kind of need it. I, I feel like in more situations, he would make sense as your third big plan playing significant minutes, but off the bench versus being a starting four um, at least, but that's what you have to be at the Pelicans. And that presents a, it's a conundrum of sorts because if you're looking to pay him as right. a third big in the offseason, but there's at least if there's even one other team that wants to make him their starting four, you're going to lose that bidding war. And so I, I'm sure this is part of the calculus in the Pelicans' decision making and, and whether they want to even think about investing in him in a trade. Because, I mean, is it just a rental and you know you're going to get outbid in the free agent market? It's, it's an interesting question. What is the Pelicans sort of cap sheet looking like uh, coming into this summer and sort of like, you know, what sort of moves do you see them making after this year? Yeah. Or is it too I, early I feel to like, even start talking about that? I don't think it's too early. I, I do think that they're not, I, I don't think they're trying to create cap space for this next off season. Um, I don't, that's, I think they've kind of, I think the, the Stephen Adams extension was reading, if you read between the lines on that, you kind of see where their Pelicans were thinking, which what they're thinking, which I think is very fair of them. That this is quickly becoming a the, the the a player's market versus a team's market. When when all your marquee players are getting extensions and you and you still have a bunch of teams with cap space, I I would want to avoid that market too. And so I think that's what they thought we're thinking about with Stephen Adams to say, let's give him this extension at you know seventeen or so per for for two more years, and then in the last year of his deal, we can make him a trade chip. But you know you've got Adams at seventeen, Ingram at close to thirty. Bledsoe at 18, which is effectively an expiring. He's got like four additional four mil or so due that the following year. And then, yeah, you've got Zion and, and some of the other young players. So like, it, yeah, you can make, you can make cap space if you want to, but I mean, I don't think there's a ton of value in, in that, in this particular market. And I think the Pelicans would much rather just like take on, if they can get paid to take on salary uh, for this off, you know, for team trying to create more space and they would probably do it, but it, it is kind of early to figure that out. Uh, I guess just looking ahead at this offseason, like I guess just looking at with Lowry and Lonzo, like with the Pelicans having Lonzo, if they do keep it, if they don't trade him, like what do you think his market would be? Like what would you be comfortable giving him? Because like if the, say if the Bulls do trade for Lonzo too, like like I honestly have no idea. Like we were we've been talking about this in one of our recent pods, like in a vacuum, like would we rather pay more, or like even like the same amount to Lowry or Lonzo? I'm like I was leaning towards Lonzo almost just because he's like a different player and I just want to like try something new, but like. How much would you be comfortable giving a lot in Alonzo extension or, or matching an RFA, something like that? Oh man, <laughs> that's <laughs> so. I mean, where, where you've got to start is the extensions that were handed out this past off season. Uh, I think so. Uh, you, you may want to look at Fultz from the Bull, or sorry, from from the uh, Magic when they got I think three fifty yeah. or something like that. I feel like that's. I mean, I I think that's probably a reasonable place to expect him to 
to land, but I'm not comfortable with that. I don't think so. Uh, it's just tricky. I mean, the, the, the more yeah. I saw those the rookie extensions come come through um, that, that that day uh, at the, at the, the <laughs> I deadline, yeah. I was like, oh god, oh god. I was, like, <laughs> I was not just not just Alonzo, uh, Josh Hart too, who I like on this team in a specific yeah. role. I was just sitting here saying, oh man, what's Josh Hart going to get? Um, because I was actually thinking there was a 50-50 shot that they would extend him, and at that at not Lonzo. I knew that those talks would kind of extend, yeah. but I, but I thought there was a chance that they would extend uh, Josh Hart, and and so I, I maybe the Pelicans looked at the market and said, you know what, let's uh, let's pump the brakes on this one because uh, I, I like Hart for uh, a lot of reasons, but he's also, I mean, he has his limitations, and so um, it's a it was it was a treacherous area, and I don't blame the Pelicans for sitting it out. Yeah, the same thing happened with Lowry. The Bulls are supposedly, I think, like four million apart with Lowry, and like you figure, like with his numbers, like I know he's got hurt again, and he'll be out for a few more weeks, supposedly. But like, like if he comes back and he keeps putting up these shooting numbers, and like he was, they were already four million apart, supposedly. Uh, I would think he'll probably bring that number even up even more. I don't think there was an actual number ever put put out there. I, at least I don't think there was. But like, still, like if he's gonna be out there looking for, yeah, like eighteen, nineteen, twenty million a year, just like. Uh, I, I don't know. It's, it is just really it's a tough. really tough situation. And the timing here with Lowry's injury, just another injury is just like really brutal. Uh, which, yeah, it just makes the, it just complicates it for just these trade talks with the ex- extension stuff, man. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, I mean, that's, and I can't, I can't see a scenario where the Pelicans are cool paying that to somebody who plays, who plays Zion's position. And right. also yeah. uh, if you're going to play him alongside Zion, there's just no way to make that defense competent. So right, exactly. at least and in the just, near term, I mean, I, I, I do agree with, with Ricky on what we've seen from Zion recently. And I think it's mostly effort related, but I'll, and I don't want to close the book on him never becoming a, a good defender. Cause I think that's certainly uh, still, well, there's a lot of things that are still with the, within the realm of possibility when it comes to Zion, but yeah, I mean, early, early returns are, have, are kind of underwhelmed. And so it's, I, I think that would be a huge risk for the Pelicans to, to invest that kind of money in him long-term. Um, let's see. We did get a question from a Bulls fan on Twitter. It's kind of asking about the Zion Ingram fit in general. Obviously, this is kind of separate from Lowry, or even if they were thinking about trading for Lowry. I uh, do you think that's going to be like? Do you think that can be successful long term with Zion and Ingram, or do you think that they'll obviously try it out for a little bit? I mean, Ingram just signed a new deal, and Zion's whatever in his second year. But uh, how do you see those two playing out and developing together? Yeah, this has been topic that this is the most important thing to figure out for the pelicans in right. their term is or for the long term really is you know can you build a sustainable defense with those two guys uh because offense i i i don't if anyone had any concerns over it i i yeah. would laugh at them because it the, the, you've got two guys with dynamic enough skill sets to make it work um the question is defensively how do you structure that team and can you you know, is there? Can you play Ingram and Zion at the four and the five at any point in games and, and and not hemorrhage points? Can can you? I mean, what do you? How much? How much do you have to invest in defense at the other three positions to make it work? And is it worth it? And so, you know, it, it's it's not an easy question to answer. And I know that we're very early into a five year deal for for Ingram, but if the if the Pelicans ever decided to to make a change, I don't think it's a slight to Ingram. It would just be really about what they think they need defensively next to Zion because it's he is such a he's a fantastic player but he's such a unique player and so it it is tricky and it's something that we're, we probably don't have enough um, data to answer yet yeah. but <laughs> I mean the early returns obviously not great uh, because this team is not doing well defensively this year and and they didn't really do that great of a job last year either and that was with with Drew um, and great I think I, I'll be the first to tell you I, I, I think. 
I think Steven Adams is a, is a bigger upgrade over favors and other people may have you believe just cause I, I, I didn't, I didn't see it from favors last year that he just was so immobile. And I know there were, it was, it was not a great time in his life. And I know there were injuries, time, uh, you know, dragging him down a little bit, but I, I think Adams is a nice upgrade over favors on both ends of the, both ends of the floor, but hasn't translated into results, especially recently. And so you, at some point you got to figure out what the heck the problem is. Yeah. And looking at the second part of this question that we got, uh, <laughs> In this trade that this person suggested, this is from Ant Creek Bulls fan. Uh, looks like it makes absolutely no sense to me. I'm assuming you probably think the same. It was Ingram and Jackson Hayes for Kobe and Wendell in the 2021 Bulls pick. I mean, I feel like that makes zero sense. I mean, obviously, you, you're talking. We talked already about the Pelicans wanting to wanting to give time to their young guards with Kira there. So, like, why would you want Kobe White with Wendell? I mean, he's obviously coming up. He's in year three. He's had injury problems. You have Adams there on extension. Like, obviously, Wendell's much younger, but like. Uh, he's had the injury problems. 2021 Bulls pick right now is looking like it's going to be pretty mediocre. It's like, I can't imagine you're trading Ingram, basically Ingram as the centerpiece for that type of package. I guess just if the Bulls wanted to try to trade for Brandon Ingram, what, like, what would you want there? Like, would that have to be like a Zach, like a Zach Ingram swap? What would you, if the, if for some reason the the Bulls came calling by Brandon Ingram? <laughs> um, I, I don't really see a return that, I, I feel like other teams could beat what the Bulls would offer yeah. for Ingram if, if that if that talk those talks were going to come you know anywhere near fruition. Uh, just because I guess yeah, Levine it makes makes sense to the play start, but also the Pel- New Orleans has an All Star or at least quasi All Star locked into a five year contract that yeah. matters in small markets. For <laughs> and sure. so yeah. I, I you know I, who knows if Zach Levine bounces after next season, right? So yeah. I think that's that's certainly a concern the Pelicans should be prioritizing in any sort of. Anything they would, any reason they would consider trading Ingram, it's you've got to have someone who's long term committed to the to the team uh, on in, incoming too. So I, I I don't see it unless they you know unless they see. It, it, I mean I don't I, I haven't watched enough Patrick Williams to understand you know what the you know what what he's going to be. But I mean I feel like they would they would look for a, a you know someone where they had more time control over, to say the least. Yeah, a Patrick Williams Zion front court could actually. Be pretty fun moving forward but he's he's still he's very young very raw he's shown flashes he's definitely not an actual good player yet but that, that would actually be a lot of fun if they both developed together nicely um we'll, we'll wrap it up here we've gone for a while here Let, let's just i will finish here just i guess with your prediction like what do you think the pelicans i guess will do with with lonzo do you think they will trade lonzo before the deadline or do you, do you think uh any other deals out there that you like besides possibly trading into the bulls so just ask your your lonzo prediction before the deadline <laughs> Um, I still think, man. I mean, the Bulls sound like there's. I, I thought it was really interesting that that uh, the, the the most recent report that the teams haven't talked yet. I find yeah. that very hard to believe. Right. But <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, I, I think the Bulls make the most sense. So if I had to bet on any specific team, I wouldn't put Bulls anywhere near fifty percent or over. But I think out of any team that. I, I, there's a lot of motivation to get Lonzo there if they're going to move him. I still think there's going to be some serious shakeups in the Pelicans' uh, backcourt. I think it's gone. It's pretty much a worst case scenario for New Orleans right now. I think they were kind of hoping JJ would. I mean, obviously this this slump was totally unexpected. Brutalized for him. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's been really really rough. Um, and I know that they're going to, um, you know, hopefully. You know, move. I, I think they're looking to trade him, obviously, by the deadline. And if no one's going to pony up even a second for him, they'll probably just buy him out. Um, they're, they're trying to get him back to Northeast, um, where yeah, his family is. Yeah, but um, and I think the Pelicans usually are one of the teams that those teams that kind of do the right thing um, it, it, when it comes to their vets. If, if there's not like a serious return that they're 
you know, looking at. So, I mean, I think there's going to be some serious backcourt shakeup for the Pelicans, um, whether it comes, uh, you know, now or closer to the deadline, not sure, but um, it's, it's definitely very touch and go. Um, It's hard to, it's hard to pin down like a specific uh, target, but I think that the under underarching or, you know, underlying theory here is that, Get the Pelicans. Get let the Pelicans want to get more minutes for their young guys, and let's let's figure out a way to make that happen. Makes sense. They've been such a weird. I've watched them a few times this year, and obviously the Bulls game. I was watching them before that. They've just been like seems like that roller coaster has been really crazy with them because they, they just recently had like a really nice stretch where they got almost back up to five hundred, and now these last couple games they've just gotten roasted. You get roasted by the Bulls. You get roasted by the you get roasted by the Pistons. Like obviously Luca going off. I'm mean, even Zach going off, but like. It's just getting roasted like this after getting up to 500, kind of getting back in that playoff mix. And, like, they've just been, like, so crazy. It's been all over the place. Definitely just, like, obviously have some very intriguing talent there. Just be very – I'm very interested to see how that plays out. Because, I mean, you have some – yeah, like I said, you have fun young players there. And, like, it seems like they could – and you have a really good – you have a really good uh, whatever front office there with David Griffin. Uh, what I guess – what do you make of Stan? Like, do you think he's the right guy for this team? Yeah, I mean, I, I like Stan. I, I – I never, when Stan was hired, I never thought he was going, I, I never like was banking on the fact that he'd be the guy to take this team through to, to title contention. Yeah. But I thought for the roster and the young players they had, I thought Stan and, and I thought JJ's buy-in was very helpful and, and helping to be able, like, that's why I think JJ wasn't traded before the season. It's because they wanted him to kind of be a bridge because he's, he's had Stan as a coach before and he said a lot of nice things about Stan. Um, but I thought, you know, th- they needed this more structure that, than, than what Gentry had to offer. And so the hire made sense um, as a kind of a means to an end. Similar to how I view Steven Adams with this team, too. It's like a means to an end. They, they um, yeah. you know, they're testing out what works with Zion, what doesn't work with Zion. And I think they're learning a lot about this team um, and knowing that it's, I think it's struggle, uh, stressful for fans sometimes because it is a long-term approach. And I feel like fans have heard that year after year with this New Orleans team is that, you know, we're, we're building something. Well, building what? Um, and so, um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's all, um, you know, it, 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 there's a, there's a plan in place. Um, and I think it's, uh, it's, it's been, it's been tough at times, but this, I think that the, the nice thing with the New Orleans team, in, at least in the recent weeks is that this offense is clearly trending up and it's yeah. trending up because Zion has the ball in his hands more. And that's really, Love to that, see it. that's the big, that's the big nut to crack there on offense. And so the question now is, how do you make the defense passable? Um, and so that, that's, I think that's what's on top of the mind for Pelicans right now. Yeah, we will see. It'll be very interesting. Mason, thank you, much for, thank you so much for joining us. If you want to give a shout out to your pod and anything else you want to shout out, please do that right now. Yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. So um, you can find me on Twitter. It's my name, Mason Ginsberg. Uh, podcast that Schmidt and I co-host uh, is in the know. It's on the Blue Wire Network. You can also follow uh, my co-host, uh, Schmidt, at Fear the Brown. Uh, on Twitter and uh, and yeah, we're both members of uh, Bourbon Street Shots, which is uh, our uh, Pelicans, one of the uh, top Pelicans blogs in the uh, covering the team. So um, a lot of good stuff coming out recently from a bunch of different writers. So in addition to the podcast, make make sure to check that out if you're interested in more uh, Pelicans content. Awesome, Mason. Thank you so much for joining us. This was great stuff. We've been meaning to do it for a while with all these Lonzo rumors out there. I know Lonzo stuff has been a hot topic uh, on Bulls Twitter and with all and. Uh, with the coverage there so it's great to get this insight on here uh as you heard please go check out in the know if you want to listen uh listen to some more uh lonzo talk pelicans talk and then also bourbon street shots it's great stuff uh for us here at cash as always a shout out to the blue wire network go check out all the other great pods all across the network we get we're in the midst of the nba season 
great, great stuff all across the network. We got other great NFL pods. We got other just tons of great pods across the Blue Wire network. And for us again, uh, you can rate and review us. You know where to find me and Ricky on Twitter. I'm at Bulls underscore J. Ricky is at at SBN underscore Ricky. Please rate and review us. We're listening to your pods. We're Apple Podcasts, Tizzer, Spotify, all those good places. Uh, one more time, the Bulls will be playing the Pistons Wednesday. Not the Hornets because the Bulls-Hornets game was postponed because of contact tracing from the Spurs COVID outbreak. So we got Pistons on Wednesday at the United Center. And then Friday, again, as Ricky mentioned at the top, we got a national TV game. I believe it's the only Bulls national TV game of the year. That's at Philly on ESPN. So sadly, the TNT Bulls are still not a thing, but at least we get to get at least one national TV game. So uh, that'll be in the, the those are the next couple games. So for Jason and Ricky, and thanks to one more time to Mason, this has been Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. We'll talk to you guys next time. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.